Welcome. I'm the Parliament Raven. Pull up a seat, pour yourself a glass of tea. My name's Jason Rodriguez, and I'm the Parliament Raven. And today I am sitting, it is my pleasure to sit with Joshua Simone, uh, an old friend of mine. He's an e-commerce entrepreneur. He He's out there going through the ether and learn, being a businessman out there. He is the host of the Torn, Torn Curtain YouTube channel, uh, which is, which drops weekly. He's part of the Kingdom Revival New York City uh, ministry that takes place in Times Square. And he's been focusing on his studies on the inner healing and deliverance as a Christian person. Welcome, Josh. How are you doing today, man? Welcome, Jason. It's, uh, it's really, I'm really excited to be with you today. All right. So, you know, why don't you tell a little bit, a, a snapshot, a nutshell uh, of the folks of who you are? Uh, because I know that from my experience, you have an incredible story. Uh, maybe just, I don't know what you want to tell them, a tail, the tail end, the middle. Uh, it's, I mean, it continues to be great, this great complex story of yours with continual renewal. So I can see why you're headed in the direction of inner healing. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah. So basically, um, in a nutshell, I was in youth ministry, a seminary student where I met where I met you, Jason, and um, a church planter with my brother-in-law. And we were doing a lot of fruitful ministry from the time 20, uh, from the year 20 years old onward. And um, we, I hit, I eventually hit a wall that I was doing all these things for the Lord. I was involved in all of these things, but at the, through that all, I was ignoring major issues of my life as well as um my own inner life and so i hit a wall and i ended up basically crashing through all of this and in 2015 having to basically start my life from scratch over again and from that moment on i ended up uh, even even getting into drinking alcohol and stuff and totally leaving ministry and then um i had to re totally rededicate rededicate my life to the lord and start over again in 2015 where i started on the journey of emotionally healthy spirituality as well as inner healing and deliverance so what's unhealthy emotional christianity what does that look like right so um being someone different on the outside than you really are. And so integrity can be defined as being the same person that you are in public as you are in your private life. And so there were many compartments of my Christianity that God wasn't in. And so when I started over in 2015, I said, God, you know, I got to give every part of my life to you and um, who I want, who I am to be in, in private and who I am in public to be the same person. So it's it's like 
in one room, you're Josh Shimon, the incredible Christian. In the other room, you're the suave, debonair, ladies' man who's drinking two whiskey sours and then, you know, going home with a lady of the night. Is that what this looks like? A little bit, yeah. There was, um, you know, there was there was some drinking. There was, um, you know, dating various different women and um, and eventually totally leaving ministry completely to the point where I wasn't even going to church. Oh, well, I, I didn't know that part of the story, my yeah. friend. So I, what what flipped the switch? I mean the. Some the some of the listeners have no idea who who God is. I I know that for a fact, or or doubt that there is even a God out there. So like, what changed? What ignited something? What interaction did you have that just turned things around? Because you went from believing to the gutter, as you say, to believing again. So. They say the head from the heart is only 18 inches, but spiritually, it's the longest journey. And so although I knew in my head that there was a God and I loved God and that God loved me and I knew all the scripture verses from my upbringing, I really didn't know in my heart of hearts that God loved me. He cared for me. He was for me. He was with me. And I had just the deepest revelation of an understanding of how much God loved me on a personal level and how much, regardless of everything that I've done and that I strayed from him and I strayed from his path, I had a deep revelation of God's love. And it made all the difference in the world. It changed everything. Okay, so... All right, we're going to go deep, right? You know me, I'm always going to ask you the deep questions, Josh. Sure, so, let's do it. Is, uh, look, because to, to the common viewer, we, we're, it's like we're speaking hocus pocus, right? We're talking revelation. Well, what does that mean? Are they talking about apocalyptic? Is Josh having an apocalypse inside him or in his head? <laughs> so, I, you laugh, right? But like, we, You're we, right. We, You're we 100% in a time where, where people don't understand us anymore. Right. The lingo is is beyond them. So you talk about revelation. Right. It, was it a, an emotional thing? Was it was it a voice in your head? Was it a, a billboard like four billboards in a row? Was it a TV show? Like what is this revelation you're talking about? Because the listeners want to know, like, what might they expect if they have a, a revelation of being deeply loved by a creator? Like I talk about myself and having a revelation but i mean i know mine's probably drastically different from yours yes absolutely that's a great question so i was instantly drawn to uh, a relationship with god in prayer where i used to take long walks and just just by the ocean and spend some time with god and just in silence each day because I own my own business, so I could take the time that I needed to to heal and spend more time with myself, spend more time with God. And it's just taking these long walks um, by the by the ocean that basically God met me in such a powerful way. He met me emotionally and spiritually. Uh, I didn't have I didn't hear any voices or see any visions or anything. 
but I just, I, I don't even know exactly how to explain it, but I just fully had a firm understanding in my hearts of hearts that it does, it really doesn't matter what I did in the past or even what I do in the future, um, but a full understanding that that the love of God is, it surpasses all knowledge, all understanding, all insight. I don't know how that happened. I can't necessarily fully explain it, but I just knew that God really loved me and he was shining his, his face on me and opening me up to new dimensions in a relationship with him. Well, I, mean, I like that word dimensions, right? Get science, science fiction-y with me. And you know, I'm, I'm a big nerd. So let's let's use that. We'll hop. We'll use dimension. Let's take this head into a different dimension. You you talk uh, about inner healing, um, and what does that look like? Because man, there's a lot of people who feel like they're broken, who feel like the world sucks. They that they have no value, or that that what they bring to the table is minuscule, or they're never going to overcome a certain thing because, you know, their parents didn't overcome it and it's genetic. You know, the, the, we get a lot of messages from a lot of places, right? I mean, even if you flick open the inner, especially if you spl- flick open the internet, right? There's pictures. Are you this? Are <laughs> Do you think you're a furry? Are you star gender? Is, uh, are you depressed and broken? Are you, uh, and if you are, we have something for you, right? Like, uh, get a coach now. They'll break you through. <laughs> break through. Let's walk on coals, right? So, like, what is it? Like, you talk that you're you're headed toward your your discovering and you're you're working with, and and ladies and gentlemen, he was talking about working with with a, an author of, of about who who writes about inner healing. What is that? What does that process kind of look like? Right. So I have an undergraduate degree in counseling. And so the first thing that I say is it's not counseling or it's not getting advice. What you're simply doing is coming before God and others with an open heart, with an open mind um, to to be touched by God in your in your memories and your emotions. And it's usually led by a leader that has a lot of experience. And you you're you're just coming before God, like kind of like in a posture like this with with open hands. And you're just both kind of waiting on the Lord in silence. And then you together with the person who's praying will determine like what the Holy Spirit wants to bring up, what he wants to highlight, what he wants to touch. The Holy Spirit being the third person of the Trinity, and he'll often put his finger on something that happened in your life. It could be um, just a memory that you had that, um, in my case, the first inner healing meeting that I had, I had an eight-year relationship that ended around the time that I met you, and I was devastated about that. I could not get over it. It was a Christian relationship. It was a Christian person. I could not get past it. And I was having dreams of this person for many years. And 
my heart was still broken. Even though I was functioning, nobody could have seen that my heart was broken in this area, but I could not get over this relationship. And so I sat down with the prayer minister and we prayed. And, and that's what came to my mind the last time I had saw this person. So the prayer minister says to me, hey, listen, well, let's let's invite Jesus into that memory. And so what what happened next kind of shocked me because I in my mind's eye, I didn't have see a vision or anything, but I could see where Jesus was in that event of the last time I had saw this girl from this eight year relationship and that Jesus was there with me in the process. And I saw where he was and I saw that he was there. And that he cared about me, he cared about her. And that just brought a healing that started from that point on. I obviously had two or three sessions to fully get over this, but that was the start of a complete turnaround where my heart was healed, where I wasn't tied to this relationship anymore because Jesus showed me personally where he was in during this the last time we saw each other and that brought comfort to me and it brought comfort to me that he still cared for uh, this woman in this relationship too. And it just brought me a lot of peace. So what would you say to somebody who said, ah, I could get that from a, a therapist. I would be invited into the thought and, you know, I'd work through it with the therapist and I, I, you know, I'd work to get over it and then I would get over it versus, you know, you're having what's considered a spiritual moment, right? If we were if we were to take out the Christian context, you're you're meeting with a spiritual being, which God and the Holy Spirit is, and, and Jesus is. You're you're seeing it in what what the world would see his third eye, right? The inner eye, inside his heart, right? So yeah. because we we really do need to connect these these ideas and concepts, right? There's these Absolutely. ideas and concepts that that were shown, and and and. You know, some spiritualists would say, well, yeah, I can do that with Buddha or I can do that with Vishnu or, you know, I can go and, and, and go and find me a, a spiritual coach who's good. And we would just meditate through it and we'd we'd revisit it until I became OK with that. So, I mean, what's the difference? What makes this different than all of that? Right. Because that, that has to be the separation point. Otherwise, there can be, well, then I have a multiple choice buffet of spiritual inner healing, Joshua. I, I don't have to go to Christian church. I've been hurt by that. Or I've seen what Christians believe. I see how they believe. I mean, they're Trump people, right? I, these are the arguments we get. So so how do you address it? Like, I, I mean, you're on the streets of New York, right? And you get people to, you get people to come to your church. And then they, you offer this, this spiritual healing, and then they, you know, they can bring out any of this. I mean, you have Puerto Ricans that'd be like, "I go down to Santeria, I get that taken care of." Yes. I get a priestess. We'll take care of it. It'll be fine. I'll bring a little bit of pork and whatever thing I need to do for the for the saint that they're going to use, right? Because there's options, right? We are a culture of options. So how do you address that? Right. Absolutely. That's a fantastic question. So let me start off by saying originally at an undergrad, I was going to fully get a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. And then I had a revelation while studying Martin Luther King Jr. that 
I could make a lot more of a broader impact um, studying theology and working and and working in society from that level than I could as a clinical psychologist, which is limited to an office building at a particular time each week. And um, it's limited to that office space. Like, in other words, my therapist couldn't walk with me by the side of a pond. And that might be appropriate if I was going through depression or, and those things. So I abandoned the idea of getting um, wanting to be a clinical psychologist because it's very limited to an, to an office room. Right. And my sister is is a psychologist. So, you know, I don't have any problem with that. But I a I did try psychology. I tried regular therapy um, with two or three therapists and it was not able to heal this emotional wound. Both Christian um, and non-Christian therapists? Both. I tried both. Yeah, I, tried I didn't both. want people to know. Right. Let's we're filling in the details. Yeah, I tried both. I tried non-Christian therapists and I tried Christian therapists. And I also met with pastors and various people, but nothing that I tried could could get me over this wound. Some people labeled it as a soul tie. Um, you know, some people in the charismatic world would call it that, uh, you know, but that's not in the Bible. It's not a it's not a it's not a concept. That, in the Bible. That's for a different. That's for a discussion on Torn Curtain, which you're going to invite me. We'll talk about soul ties here. We'll, we'll unearth that one for you. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> That would like, be sorry to interrupt. Let's keep going. So basically, yeah. So I, 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 I couldn't get over the memories of this person. What was different was this: is that the person that was listening to me in this case, it was one of the main elders at my church, very large and famous church, and I could tell that he really loved me. And it was the first time in my life that anyone truly, really listened to me. And Although my therapist was always listening with their ears, um, I didn't feel like they really cared. But this this man, this gentleman, Rick, really cared with me and sat with me for hours, and he wasn't getting paid. And you know, I was gonna say they cared enough for for the money, bro. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so he, he was doing this on a volunteer basis, and he just had listened to me, and he would just keep saying, "Is there anything else that you want to share? Is there anything else that you left out?" And like. You know, so I literally sat with him for hours. So I realized it was the first time in my life I was really, really heard by someone. And um, so that made all of a difference that he really cared, that he really loved me. So that was the first element of it. But the second element of it was that journey, like I said, from the from the head to the heart, 18 inches, that I I had all these things that I knew about God. And I had all these things that I wanted to do for God, but deep down inside, I really, really never fully understood in the core of my identity uh, God's love for me and his concern and his care and that he had been with me through this whole journey, through this broken relationship with this, this Christian woman, and that he was there through the whole thing and that he loved me and that the fact that that relationship fell apart or maybe she rejected me or I rejected her, we, we probably it was probably a combination of it. But none of those things really mattered. The fact is, is that God loved me and I and I saw how much he loved me and that this relationship didn't really matter as much anymore. And that some and then I feel that the soul tie was broken. So they had me do things like renounce the soul tie and say, um, 
that everything that belongs to her would return to her and everything that belongs to me would return to, to me emotionally, spiritually. And so there was that element to it. There was a, a confession and repentance element to it where basically I could confess anything that I had done or any type of negative feelings that I had outstanding. So I would confess that and then repent of it. So in her case, she co-signed one of my, my undergraduate loans. And uh, sometimes out of resentment, I would not pay that loan. And so I had to, I had to say, okay, God, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not right. Um, she did me a favor. I'm going to pay off that loan on time every month. And from now on, um, I'm going to take care of that. And I'm, I'm sorry that I was resentful. I'm sorry that I was still angry. And um, so, yeah, so there was a few different elements to it. Like you said, dimensions, different layers. Uh, this is really deep. I feel like I, I hope I'm not going too deep for you. <laughs> not for me, but we got to we still we, we're going to have to unpack, man. We, we got listeners who are just like, I'm drowning. So so you, let's I guess we're going to have to at least talk. <laughs> about that because you brought the soul type thing up again bro now we're gonna have to at least unpack that a little you want to do a little explanation for people uh unraveling that christian term for the non-christian listeners right so in the movie vanilla sky uh, tom cruise uh and his uh, co-partner he hooks up with this girl and she said something very interesting that when you connect with someone sexually, basically you don't realize at the time that you're making a contract with them, that you're making a connection with them, that even after the relationship is over, there's residual that that will hang around. And she was unpacking this to Tom Cruise in the movie. And what's interesting is, is that in biblical terms, and you would probably you're more of an Old Testament guy, so you'd be better to explain this than even I would. But um, in, in biblical terms, um, basically the two become one flesh. And so basically whenever you you connect, when, when when you have a sexual connection with someone, you really develop a tie to that person because it's, it's one of the deepest ways that we can connect with someone. So, you know, um, I had shared that that sexual connection with her, which is probably you know, the deepest, the deepest connection you can have with someone. And then, so even after the relationship is over, I'm still tied to that person emotionally. I have a soul connection with them. Right. Would you add anything to that, Jason? Well, it doesn't have to be sexual. I mean, yes, right. There's plenty of people who have uh, deep friendships. Uh, you have seen it between Jonathan and David in the old Testament. Um, and they they were like as brothers, right? That that would definitely be considered a soul tie. Jonathan was willing to lay down his life for David, who they weren't related at all. Right. Um, you know, uh, Frodo and and Samwise. You know, I like using fictional characters. Definitely had, you know, a a that deep of a relationship uh, that. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien put in there, and, and you know, and that's just a reflection of the type of relationships he had when he was in the military, right? Uh, brothers willing to to go the distance to because it was war and and such. Um, and we are living in a we. 
I, well, at least I can attest to living in a spiritual uh, battle continually, uh, whether people acknowledge that or not or want to hear about that or not. And this is one of those things. You, could, you have one with your parents, right? Your parents know when you're in trouble. You don't even have to call, right? Yeah. They'll call you. What's wrong? What's wrong, Josh? How you do? What? What's wrong? Mama wants to know, right? It's the truth, right? So your sisters, I bet your sisters know when you are out of sorts, whether, and they could be miles away and you'll get a phone call. Let's go out. Let's hang out. Let's go to the gym. I think you said that in one of your, you know, in one of your testimonies, right? Your sister was uh, smacking you around at the gym about uh, you waffling with your, uh, your faith. Right. But she knew. Right. She's like, man, you need to stop that. That's a, that would that would be another never and there's good ones. And then there's of your course, there's bad ones. Now, a lot of the charismatic world, they're like, these are bad. These are evil. Well, they wouldn't exist if they were such a thing. There's a right moment in a right place for them. And as you said, yes, you're as you were directing it wasn't in marriage, so there were some issues when they the broke broke up, and this is why divorce is such a bad thing, right? Uh, because it tears, it leaves people frayed, um, and you can see that, it, it, and people can see that in sex workers too. People who've left that thing, they they seem frayed, even though they've been pulled out and and they're recovering, uh, and some never truly recover. Uh, because they were in it for so many years. They're just frayed after relationship after relationship, connection after connection, and then they just be torn away, torn away, torn away for the act of a dollar, um, which is a completely different subject altogether. But so if if you have more questions about that, send, uh, go to Torn Curtain on YouTube, <laughs> and uh, Josh is going to do like a mini series on it, whether he knows it or not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to find like four pastors talking about it and then he's going to dissect each of those just for you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So let's. So it. So, uh, you know, I don't like to compare it. I, I mean, I did compare it, but I don't like to compare it just because it is somewhat different. I mean, Definitely seems like Sozo to me, right? Where people go in and, and they, they, and Sozo is just another version, I guess, of uh, another way of saying inner healing. I don't know where the word comes from. I, I would have to research it. Um, and, and you do that. Yours seems focused on one on one more than a group. Sozo's focus is on a group trying to find someone inner healing. Um, Christianity has moved to having these things called healing rooms. Is is that something that's part of your church? Is this inner healing part of this a healing room kind of situation or a prayer room kind of situation? No, no. We don't we don't have healing rooms or anything like that. We just it was just a weekly meetings that we would have that anybody could come with um, any type of problem that they were facing, and, and we would just pray pray for them. Okay. So it's more like, it's more informal than than and and less regiment in a sozo room and our healing room is a little bit more clinical, right? They try well, they try to treat as spiritual as we can be. We try I'd rather we try to keep it a bit more clinical so it doesn't seem so hokey, because it does seem kind of it's the foolish things that confound the wise, right? You talked about that. You talked about inner healing. 
Um, what's this thing, Deliverance? Can you describe or tell tell people about Deliverance? And I don't think you're talking about the movie. So what you want to give the viewer, or not viewers, but listeners, something to you? Yes, absolutely. So Deliverance is, um, I, I always like to say this because um, until I saw my first Deliverance, I thought people that engaged in this type of stuff, I thought it was total foolishness and nonsense. <laughs> you know, um, I, l- Jason, you have a great imagination and you're, you're, you're just been gifted artistically in, in so many different ways. And uh, that's one of the things I always liked about you. But I don't have really any imagination at all. And so basically, like, I kind of was a rejected um, deliverance ministry right off the bat and said, um, this just doesn't seem real. Or uh, I thought people that did stuff like this were crazy until I was at a meeting one time and my friend was prayed for as deliverance. And we walked in and she was seemed to be totally normal and um, fully a few seconds later after being prayed, prayed for was tore up the carpet with her with her bare nails and was acting strange so deliverance ministry is um demonic forces that are buffeting or harassing someone and uh, a lot of times there's overlap between mental illness uh there, there could be mental illness involved um but a lot of times it could just be spiritual. So pastors, you know, um, a clinical psychologist would take care of the mind. Pastors would, would, would take care of the spirit, your spiritual part of your life or your soul. And um, you can have dark forces that are attacking your soul and even your mind. And so deliverance ministry is driving those forces away. And so that a person can think and function normally. Uh, okay, I'm going to get us both in trouble here. You ready yeah. for it? Yeah. Yeah. So do you believe that sometimes a Christian can uh, need deliverance? Yeah, so I'm just going to defer to it. because <laughs> Don't defer. I'm asking you personally, John. You're going to have to don't defer, buddy. You can defer all you want, but I'm asking you. See, this is why it gets us in trouble because it's not because deferring means you're taking the responsibility off yourself, and I'm putting the responsibility. I'm asking you, right? And, and folks, I don't know the answer to this. I know where I stand, and I might reveal that after Josh reveals where he stands, so I can feel better. But I'm putting Josh in a in a precarious situation yeah. here by by making him tell me what he believes because. He does have he he has a lot of viewers on YouTube, and I know that if they all listen to this, some of those viewers will go, "Oh, this guy's a sham." Yeah, he believes he believes what, and other viewers will go, "Yeah, let's go." <laughs> so I know I'm putting you in a hard in a tough spot, but you're in the part of the parliament, dude. We have to unravel things, whether people like what we have to say or not. They're gonna if it's the truth, as we know it, until we discover differently, we gotta tell it. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember the missions class that we took with you, that a few of the students were attacked at nighttime. Do you remember that? 
I mean, I remember Jason Hamlin coming in and being like, hey, come and uh, help me hand out food to the poor. I definitely remember that part. I didn't know about this whole continue on. Fill me in. So basically, we got into a discussion in this missions class that me and Jason took together. And that's how we became just really good friends. I felt like you were a family member, like within a few weeks. And so we got into this discussion, is spiritual warfare real? And so a lot of people were thinking, well, the victory was won on the cross and it's been and Satan has been defeated, according to the book of Colossians. And so and I said, nope, I'm not buying that. I think there's a spiritual war going on. There's there's a tussling going back and on. The enemy is not going to just let us walk in victory and triumph. He's going to he's going to try to test us. He's going to wrestle with us. Um, We see that as Jesus is leaving the earth as he's getting ready he tells peter um satan has asked me to sift you but i my prayer for you is that you would come forth and you would you would pass the spiritual test and so in this class they everybody was saying they really don't believe in spiritual warfare and the next day i get to the class and the dean of the seminary is at the classroom and several of the students had been attacked in their sleep by a dark force. And so basically the dean was asking, did I pray a curse on these people? And I was like, <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> I, was, I might have been sick for that class. Because I don't know. I don't remember that at all. Maybe it just maybe you just blacked out. No, it, no, it, dude, I, I don't. So nobody came that day. Only like two or three people showed up. I don't remember if you were there, but the dean was there. And he was waiting at the classroom. And he said, did you pray some type of curse over people? Three or four people were attacked in their sleep. And I said this, and you were agreeing with me on all this, by the way. You were saying there is spiritual warfare. There is a conflict and stuff like that. The, the, sem- the seminary professor was agreeing with us, too, as well. And then that night, a couple of students were attacked in their sleep. And the dean of the seminary was asking if I had anything to do with this. And I go, no, I'm, I came to seminary to help people, to pray for people. I would not want to ever hurt anybody or attack anyone. That's, that's insane. So that was one of the first experiences that really shook me. And so, yeah, so I do, I, I can stand firmly believe this, that I do believe that a Christian can be demonized. And unfortunately, I had to pray for somebody in my family that was in ministry in 2009, and we prayed for them. And I had a couple of uh, pastors at this meeting, and basically this person had had um, bent over in a horseshoe shape, and that's almost physically impossible for a person to even bend that far back. So I just we were all sitting there just totally shocked because I have a few pastors in my family. Um, two megachurch pastors, actually, and we were just kind of just sitting there shocked on what was happening because the person was in ministry, right? So basically, yeah, so that was the first experience. But, you know, in, in those cases, then a lot of times what people do is say, well, was the person saved in the first place? And that's like not a conversation you really want to have because now you're attacking someone's salvation and all those other things. They're already like hurting and in a bad position, so I just try to it's say, like hey, a horseshoe. 
I'm telling you, man, until you unless you've seen this with your eyes because the person was on the older side, there's no way that, that a person could even bend like that. It's absolutely it would it was it would be absolutely physically impossible. And I and I sat there and I just go, whoa, OK, that's something that I never saw before. Like in our missions class, the professor had said to us one time that she saw humans turned into pigs in front of her eyes. Do you remember that? That I do remember. And I and me and you were sitting there like and I, I remember talking to you about it. And I'm like, I don't know about some of this. I still don't know how I feel about that, by the way. But I remember me and you just talking about that. Like, wow. You know, could you imagine if you saw something like that? Well, we have some stories, man. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I just I, that was one of those moments where I go, I know, you know, I. Yeah, I, I studied counseling and I've never seen that. That is not humanly possible to happen to a person. And well, the person, yeah. Well, to, just to add to you, just to, to help back you up, the Parliament Raven's stance on this is a Christian will allow whatever they allow to happen to them. Wow. Right? Because we're given the keys, right? Jesus says, I'll give you the keys to life and death. I'll give you the keys to open doors and close doors. So believers will allow, will allow, but will allow, they allow. So, I mean, you know, right from, except if the Jewish people who were very faithful were, were in Jesus' time were possessed, you know, even though we're under a new covenant, the spiritual laws are spiritual laws. Laws are laws are laws, and we don't know them all, um, as I like to say. You know, that's the most interesting thing about, about Christianity is that we only know what, what has been revealed, and there's plenty that has, has not. And we assume, <laughs> we walk around big and assuming, and the more, and I think Josh can attest, you can attest to this, the more we learn and know, the less we actually realize we know yes right Amen. because the our god is so big that he re reveals so little of him because we couldn't comprehend it wouldn't it wouldn't be well for our minds to comprehend him all at least in this state that we're in right after we leave this state when we are perfected when we when we hit the when we hit sleep the permanent sleep at, at whatever age, and we wake up wherever we wake up, because I don't know how time flows. Did an episode about that. <laughs> um, then we all shall be revealed, or at least we'll have eternity to for it to be revealed. So, so deliverance is like what the movie should like The Exorcist. Then it can be like The Exorcist. It doesn't always have to be. Yeah, exorcism is a little bit different than deliverance. Exorcism is more of a ritualistic, um, formulaic uh, method. Um, it's it's a little bit different the way the but Catholic it's the, is it. The, but it's the same goal at the end. I just want to give people a kind of a a reference. Yes, it is to expel evil forces that are in or around a person's life and clear the air so that they're able to function normally and act and act normally. This is definitely going to be the most spiritual episode I have ever done, listeners. As you can tell, we're, we're not leaving anything uh, on the table. Everything is, is out of the box. Uh, Josh never lets me 
really kind of kind of skirt I issues. I feel bad. I feel bad now because no, I no, don't. You don't, don't. I mean, it's <laughs> gonna have to have these conversations sooner or later. Uh, I guess sooner than later. Well, I mean, this is season four. I guess it's not sooner. We're thirty episodes in. Uh, you know, at least this is probably thirty-two. I don't know wherever it sits, wherever when I drop this. Um, so inner healing, uh, not counseling, but but a way of reconciling the heart, the mind, with some sort of trauma. Let's can we say trauma? Some sort of trauma. And people look for that, right? Well, people look for ways to deal with their trauma so they can be free. They can be successful and they can they can live a life um of i i don't want to use happiness anymore because matthew mcconaughey made a good point about happiness and joy so we're going to say live a life of joy right because joy is long progressing and happiness is just for a moment and you move on and people if you haven't heard that you should go listen to that i mean i'm slugging matthew mcconaughey here but seriously the man is a believer and has some things on lockdown that even some some really good pastors don't uh, no, I don't agree. We don't have both. We both can say we don't agree with everything that comes out of Matthew McConaughey's mouth. But <laughs> we're all human, and sometimes I go back and look at the things that used to come out of my mouth, and I don't longer agree with it. So, as we grow and as we get to know, yeah, that's for sure. Oh man, so I mean, it seems like you you've done a lot of different things since we last talked, and it, folks, it's been a while since I've talked with Joshua. Like we we went dark for. Ugh. Almost a decade. Wow, yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, and it's allowed us to grow differently, and we came back together, always looking to do this. So it's kind of fun that we're, we're finally getting to do this. All right, so we're headed towards towards the hour-ish mark. So let's ask, let me ask them the questions that I ask people who, who come on here, because um, I try to keep it, I still try to keep it rather short. I don't try to, you know, I think that, that discussions and stuff should be bite-sized, but you know, there's people who like listening to, to hour long podcasts and hopefully they're, they're listening right now. Um, so what's one thing about your faith you would like, or think you could, you would like to, or think you could clear up Hmm. for, for non-believers and believers. What's one thing that you think you can clear up for them? You can totally unravel and be like, look, let me unravel this for you so you don't think it's weird or so that you can be more successful. Hmm. Yeah. So I'll give something kind of more on the basic side right now. Yeah, it's fine. So a relationship with God, as I would put it, is, is, is upward, inward and outward. And for me, that is first looking up to God, having a firm grasp of an understanding, a relationship with him. And once I have that foundation, that that comes and becomes an inward reality that changes me. Right now, my identity is set in him and who he says I am, that I am loved, chosen, accepted, um, because as we go through life, things happen along the way where basically that it's like a masterpiece painting and through experiences that we go through, it's like kind of like people can throw dirt on us. 
some of them on purpose, some without even realizing that they hurt us. And those things can change us. All right. But when I looked back to my relationship with God, I looked upward. He came in and changed the inward reality about me. And now my identity was set and my value and my peace and everything was set upon what he said about me. That changed my inward reality. And then now I'm able to officially respond to people outwardly. So our relationship with God is vertical. It goes up. But then, as Jesus said, you can sum the whole law up in love God and love others. And so now I'm finally in a position to really, truly, really love others and really honor other people and not hurt people intentionally or unintentionally because I followed, you know, that's those three simple steps upward to look to him, to have that connection with him. It goes inward. It changes my identity and my reality. And and lastly, it goes outward. And now I'm in a position where I can really love people and um, really have really healthy relationships with other people. Yeah. Okay. So upward, inward, outward. All right. How would you like to challenge the parliament? Hmm. Because I end every episode with a challenge, right? So if I'm talking about perspective, I challenge them to change their perspective. If I'm talking about being salt, I challenge them to see which salt they are and how they can be salt. If we're talking about uh, being better than than Jedi's because Christians are better than Jedi's because we're whole and complete and we don't we're not just logical beings or emotional beings. Um, we have it all together. Uh, they have it split up, which is why they're always at war with each other. It's kind of like a it's a very good analogy of the internal conflict between logic and emotions. Um, right. I, I challenge them. Right. You need to be look into what it means, the wisdom. So what challenge? OK, because I'm, I'm asking the question. Would you like to pose to the parliament that might help them grow? Because, I mean, you talked about a lot. You talked about inner healing. You talked about deliverance and you talked about uh, upward, inward, outward. There we go. Uh, so what would you challenge them? Something simple that they could do. My, my challenge to you would be very simple. I think our emotional health and state can be tied to the relationships that we have with other people. And, and that, that is one of the most challenging aspects of life, to continue to wrestle with that and have better relationships with people. So my challenge is today, as we look at God, as we look in, into ourselves, now we're in a position to go out there and be reconcilers or be bridge builders with the people that are around us. For instance, like we see all these terrible things happening on the news, like the shooters. And I wonder, like, these people seem to have fall through the cracks. We didn't care about them. They felt rejected and not cared about in society. And so my challenge to everybody is to have better relationships with people. You have to be grounded in yourself. And then go out there and try to have better relationships with people, whether it's you have a strange relationship with your, your father or your mother, or your brother, or your sister. Fix that. If um, if uh, you, you have a friendship that, uh, you know, that is good, uh, let it be better. If, if you have a marriage that's strained, reach for it, press in. And there's some pain that's involved in that, but it's always better. 
So basically, as we get healing, as we connect with God, we're in a position to go outward with other people. And those relationships are challenging, but it's worth putting in the time and effort to have good relationships. So uh, I'm just putting in a challenge to everybody today to press in and have better relationships with the people in your life. And it, it's going to take pain and growth, but it, it will be worth it. Because ultimately, the more connected we are with the, with those that are around us, the better our own emotional health is going to be is going to be. So you heard that, folks. Go work on a relationship, right? All right. So this is the Parliament Raven. Pour yourself another glass of tea. Meditate on what we talked about, and we will talk again soon. Like, subscribe, leave a good comment. Thanks for visiting the Parliament. If you want to know about Gravitas Coaching, please visit gravitas.co. It's also where we host the Parliament. Last but not least, the intro and outro music credits. Intro music by Russ Budgen and outro music by Sardam Aravistov.